Let's get straight to the point. You want to grow your portfolio to deal with the rising cost of inflation to pay off your debt or your mortgage, pretty much anything standing in the way of you and financial freedom, right? Well, with Yahoo Finance, you can get access to the news, data, and tools that you need in order to help you reach that financial freedom. And when it comes to your financial future, you think you've done it all. You've saved, you've researched, you've invested all that you can. And now you need to take those investments to the next level by using what every financial great uses. Yahoo Finance. For more than 25 years, Yahoo Finance has been the brand behind every great investor. They're the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. For comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination. That's yahoofinance.com. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute. Ship show. Well, I wasn't intending on doing a podcast today. I mean, I, I, I'm i in Orlando. I'm on a panel, a uh, stock market panel. It's going to be fun. Louis Navalier, Mark Scals, and I forget who else is on my panel. My big talk tomorrow uh, should be very interesting. The title is 20 trillion and beyond what the coming debt explosion will mean to your portfolio. Now, of course, it's already exploding. The portfolio is already tanking. But I gave them that headline about a month ago because I already knew that the debt problem was percolating and that was going to be what was going to blow up everybody's portfolio. But, you know, when the Dow is down a thousand points twice in the same week, I got to come on and I got to do a podcast. If you haven't heard the news, the Dow Jones closed down a thousand thirty two points today. Low of the day. We closed below the intraday low of Tuesday morning when the Dow ended up up 500. Now, we're not back down at the lows that we hit Monday night You know, in Asian trading. We'll probably be there by tonight. This market is looking ugly. That was a horrible close. We got to go lower. You know, crazy. I was watching here. I didn't see you see in my hotel room. Some guy was like, oh, this might be a successful test if we could just close above Monday's lows. Successful test. A successful test is you have a huge bounce off the lows. Even if we have closed above it, that wouldn't have been a successful test. We could have crashed below it the following morning, but we couldn't even hold it. We closed on the lows. And you know what? Bond yields rose anyway. A thousand points down in the Dow wasn't even enough to send bond prices uh, higher and yields lower. The yield on the 10-year and the 30-year rising to new highs for the move. Uh, 30-year uh, closed at 3.137. As I said, horrible, horrible 30-year bond auction today. Uh, again, why anybody showed up is beyond me, but obviously not as many people showed up as they thought. Yields on the 10-year, another new high. Uh, 2.851 is where we closed. We got up to 2.884. And so the reason that we probably didn't close there is because of the 1,000-point drop in the Dow. But that big drop didn't make interest rates go down. It just 
kept them from going up even more, but nothing is going to stop rates from rising, you know, especially if we get this uh, budget deal tonight. Apparently, if they don't agree on the budget deal tonight, the government's going to shut down. And if anybody thinks the Dow is dropping because people are afraid the government's going to shut down, they don't know what they're talking about. The reason the market is dropping is because the government's not going to shut down. It's the government spending and borrowing that is behind the carnage in the bond market, which is killing the stock market. No, I'm listening to these people again on a, I'm on the plane. I'm watching it. And there are people like, oh, nothing has changed. Oh, everything is the same. And the way I'm laughing, because in one way they're right when they say nothing has changed. Yeah, it was a bubble before the market started to go down and it's still a bubble. But then it's like, wait a minute, something has changed. Now the bubble has popped. See, they keep saying, oh, the fundamentals haven't changed. Yes, they haven't changed. They sucked before the market started to go down, and they still suck. It's never been about the fundamentals. This has always been a bubble. It is a mania. And what is the foundation of that mania? Cheap money, low interest rates. We've had record low interest rates that have been propping up asset prices. All of that is changing. Interest rates are rising. In fact, you had Fed uh, Governor Dudley come out today. You know, in the middle of the decline, I think when he spoke, the Dow was only down 500, right? So now it's down 1,000. He came out and he said, the stock market drop is small potatoes. Everything is fine. Nothing to worry about. We're going to keep hiking, hiking rates, right? Now we're down 1,000. Small potatoes, this is going to be mashed potatoes. You know, if Obama was still in office, remember, every time the market really started to drop, a Fed guy would come out and say, ah, maybe we'll do some more QE. They knew they had to throw the market a bone. Well, Dudley is throwing the market an anchor. Now, how much longer are they going to do that? Because if the Fed's not going to come in and save the market, there's nobody to save it. When are people going to figure this out? You know, now we're down over 10%. You know, so it's an official correction, right? That was down 4.15% on the day. S&P down 3.75. NASDAQ down 3.94. But we're all down more than 10%. On, now it's an official correction. You know, how much longer till it's 20%? Then it's a bear market. Not much longer. I mean, what's going to stop the market from falling if the Fed's not going to do it? You know, part of this um, those budget deal that they're supposedly going to agree on tonight, they're throwing out the budget caps. They're throwing all caution to the wind. They are jacking up these deficits sky high. And they're not even finished. I mean, think about the irresponsibility, right? First, you cut taxes. You slash taxes. Remember, they were only allowed to raise the deficit by 1.5 trillion. So they had to, you know, they had to fudge all the numbers in order to say we're only going to increase the deficit by 1.5 trillion. But then once they pass that, now they have a whole new bill that increases the deficit by another one and a half trillion or 1.6 trillion. I mean, so every time they pass a bill, they can jack the deficit up as much as they want. Where is the constraint there? I mean, first you deplete your revenue, and then you decide to vote for all this new spending, and it, we're going to spend more on the military. We're going to spend more on, on social programs. It's guns and butter. We can't afford either. I mean, at least in the 1960s, when we uh, had guns and butter, we were still a creditor nation back then. So, okay, yeah, but that, you know, that's what gave us the stagflation of the 1970s. Where do you see what's coming now? I mean, these morons are still saying there's no inflation, that there's nothing to worry about. Although at the same time, they try to blame the big sell-off on uh, the, the jobs number we got last week that had the 2.9% increase in year-over-year wages, that isn't why the market fell. Because bonds were falling before we got that number. And that number wasn't so good. I already mentioned on this podcast, no one talks about it on television. If you adjust 
for hours worked because people worked a lot fewer hours. And so household income didn't jump by 2.9%. It only went up by 2.6%. That's exactly what they were expecting. And that's not a lot of wage growth. And that's not why the market is down 10% because of that little number. It's a bigger picture. It's down because rates are rising. And you know, rates have been so low for so long. Now they're not just going to normalize. They're going to be higher than normal. You know, unless the Fed comes in, right? All of this is if the Fed changes the game, then it's going to change, right? If the Fed comes in and doesn't say it's small potatoes, right? Oh, no, we we can't raise rates now. We're worried about the economy. Until the Fed gives up that everything is great, the economy is great, we're going to keep on hiking, the market's going to keep on tanking. Interest rates are going to keep on rising. There's nothing to stop it. And eventually the economic data is going to follow suit, right? It's going to, because this whole recovery is based on an asset bubble and the wealth effect. Well, all that wealth goes away. That has an effect too. So uh, it, until until the Fed, you know, gets a different script, right? Now, you know, I don't know what Donald Trump, Donald Trump is, you know, going to remain silent on this because now, you know, he can't really talk about the market because, you know, it's now going down and it's going down big league. You're going down a thousand uh, points at a time. But nobody, Rand Paul, I guess, is the only guy who's trying to force some kind of vote to try to at least keep the budget caps in there. But nobody wants these caps. You know, it's all because we've had this mentality that deficits don't matter for so long that people just think they don't matter. But they do matter. They've always mattered. It's just that they haven't produced a crisis. But what we know from history is it doesn't matter until it does, right? Until it creates a crisis. Well, welcome to the crisis. This is where we are. Right? We are going to pay the piper here because rates are going up. And three it's not 3% on the 10-year, 4%, 5%, 6%. I mean, think about it. If we're going to have trillion-dollar deficits, right? much bigger than trillion, actually, they can be a trillion and a half. Because remember, as interest rates go up, it costs the government more money to pay the interest on the debt that it already has. Plus, we're borrowing all this more money. So the deficits are going to blow through a trillion. These, the deficits that we're about to have are going to be bigger than the ones we had during the Great Recession. And supposedly the economy is in great shape and we're running deficits that are bigger than during the Great Recession. You know, remember the whole theory of Keynes was that we run deficits during recessions, but we run surpluses when times are good. See, when the economy is growing, the government has a surplus and then it could use that surplus to help the economy when it's in recession. Well, what if you have record deficits during the supposed boom? What's going to happen during the ensuing bust? But the last time the Treasury was borrowing a trillion dollars, right, the Federal Reserve was monetizing a trillion dollars worth of debt. You know, most of it was Treasury debt, but a good chunk of it was mortgage debt. But it doesn't really matter because the the Treasury was adding a trillion dollars of debt to the market. And then the Federal Reserve was taking a trillion of debt off the market. So there was no impact. There's no crowding out. There's, you know, nobody had to buy the bond because the Fed, Fed took care of it. But what's going to happen now? The government has to borrow a trillion, a trillion two, a trillion five from the private sector. Where is it going to get the money? Who is going to loan it to the government? Who is going to buy those bonds? Somebody's got to be there. Someone's got to be at those auctions. Someone's got to buy that paper. Who's going to do it? Right. And if people are now having to buy a bunch of treasuries that they weren't buying before, well, then now what are they selling to free up that money? What are they not buying in order to buy treasuries? Well, maybe they're not buying corporate bonds. Oh, corporate, 
rates have to go up. Maybe they're not buying stocks. Oh, stocks got to go down, right? The money has to come from somewhere. There is a crowding out, right? Just because people didn't see it for a while, it's going to happen. But when you have a bubble, when you have valuations that are totally based on these ridiculously low interest rates, and now they're about to go away quickly, well, you've got to reprice stocks very quickly. But also, what people don't understand is, okay, we're going to have to take down our stock market valuations because interest rates are going way up. But what does higher interest rates do to the economy? What does higher interest rates do to corporate earnings? Well, let's start with corporate earnings. Higher interest rates means earnings are going down. Why? Well, corporations have debt. They have to pay interest on that debt. The interest is going up, so their cost of interest is higher, so their profits go down. Number two, their customers also have their own debt. So if their customers have debt, and now the cost of that debt goes up, well, now they have less money to buy the products of other companies, and so profits go down. So you have two things that are going to happen. You're going to have valuations coming down and profits coming down at the same time, right? And I mentioned before, what good are the tax cuts if your profits come down so much that you have losses? Tax cuts don't do you any good if you don't have any income to tax. Then what happens to the federal budget as a result of higher interest rates? Well, the budget deficits get even bigger because now it costs us more money to pay the interest on the debt we already have. Forgetting about the debt we're trying to finance, the new debt. Then, of course, we have the Federal Reserve claiming that it's going to do quantitative tightening. If the Fed actually does, they're talking about whether the Fed is talking about over the next year selling $400 billion of treasuries. Well, I don't know. I mean, I mean, that would put the net selling to like $2 trillion of treasuries. I mean, who is going to buy all those bonds? Then what is the effect of higher interest rates going to be on uh, individuals, right? Well, we have record credit card debt, all-time high, record uh, student loans, and record uh, auto loans. Highest ever. Just got that. Interest rates going up on that paper. What does that mean? You know, also, what about mortgage rates? Where are they going? Sky high here. They're going much higher. People still have adjustable rate mortgages. Uh-oh. They're going up. People have home equity lines. They're adjustable. They're going up. And guess what? They can't even deduct them on their taxes anymore. So that is going to strain consumer income at a time that our savings rate is at a 10-year low. 10-year low. Consumers have less savings now than they did before Obama became president. Right? Trump is talking about how great things are. Okay, he's president, and savings are at 10-year low. And debt is at an all-time high. Right? That doesn't look like the sign of growth, right? Our trade deficits are, are soaring. Our budget deficits are soaring. Interest rates are soaring. And they're trying to claim that the economy is great. In fact, even as the market is tanking, this the song they're singing is that, well, you know, the economy is great, so don't have to worry about it. Yeah, that great economy was based on the stock market continuously going up. That great economy was based on the confidence surrounding the stock market going up. That great economy was based on interest rates staying low. Well, all that stuff is changing. So confidence is going to go. The, the so-called recovery is going to go. So and. Nobody, nobody even thinks that, which is one of the reasons why you know that it's going to continue. There's no fear out there, right? Look at the price of gold. The price of gold was up slightly today, you know, but I mean, what was it up? I'm looking at it here. Um, I mean, actually, I'm looking at it now. It's down 50 cents. I mean, silver's up two cents. I mean, we're still, you know, 13, 17 or something on a price of gold. Now, the price of gold didn't go down, right? I mean, in 2008, when the stock market was crashing, Gold was crashing too. So this is at least a good sign that gold's not going down. 
At some point, it's going to go up when people grasp what this means, because it means the stock market's going to fall until the Fed says uncle, until the Fed reverses policy, and then gold's going to go ballistic. You know, the same thing is going to happen on the dollar. You know, the dollar has rallied slightly uh, during this collapse, but not very much. I mean, we're barely back above 90 on the dollar index. So we've had a little bounce. But if you remember, when the stock market was tanking in 2008, the dollar was soaring, right? So it's just not happening now, right? This is showing you that things are different. And they're about to get a lot different because of what is going to happen. Because now, you know, when the Fed has to come clean, and it will, Right. At some point, the Dow's below 20,000. Right. We're in a bear market. I mean, at some point, they're going to be there's going to be political pressure. Hey, do something. Right. Where's the stimulus? We need some monetary stimulus. A little help here. You know, well, we just we already tried fiscal stimulus. That's not enough. So it's going to happen. But gold and the dollar are priced for the complete opposite of what is actually going to happen. And you still have so many people that still aren't clued in, right? They still think that the stock market can keep going up, that it's okay if interest rates rise because, you know, they're not going to rise too much. Why? What, what, what should stop them? Why should they stay at these absurdly low levels, right? If we're going to be flooding the world with bonds, man, rates have to go up. It's basic supply and demand. Unless the Fed takes the supply off the market, where's the demand? It's not there. How do you attract demand? You increase the price. Right. You have to pay higher rates. But even then, it's still not going to be enough. We, and again, we have to finance these trade deficits that are growing, not just the, the budget deficits. And so as the dollar is going down because the trade deficits are going up, that increases the risk that foreigners take to buy treasuries. So now we have to pay them even more. So there's just no way we cannot afford to pay bondholders a high enough interest rate to make it worth their while to take the risk because the, the cost would be so high that we couldn't even afford it. I mean, can you imagine if all of a sudden they had to announce massive tax hikes to pay the interest on the debt? Hey, we got to take back those tax cuts because, you know, we've just found out that deficits matter and we're broke and we need a massive tax hike, the biggest tax hike in U.S. history, so we can pay interest to the people who own our bonds. I mean, no one's saying that, right? So it's massive inflation, massive money printing, all of that is is coming. Hey, I wanted to just uh, throw one thing in there that I, I meant to mention it on yesterday's podcast, and I, so I'm going to throw it in here today. But it was talking about these trade deficits, and you know, I mentioned how a lot of people think they're not even a problem. What, what, why does Schiff go off on these trade deficits? You know, we you know we ran trade deficits you know for a long time in the 19th century. Right, America had lots of trade deficits, and 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 we became the richest country in the world. So the trade deficits weren't a problem, except they were different trade deficits. See, that's the difference. See, back in the 1900s, when America was borrowing a lot of money from Europe, Americans weren't spending that money on imported European products, right? They were taking that money and they were building businesses. We were building factories. We were making capital investments. That's what we did. We borrowed to invest. We didn't borrow to buy stuff. We borrowed to build stuff. And then what happened is we had so many factories and we had so much production that we were able to sell the stuff that we made to the Europeans who loaned us their money. And then we paid off all of the debt. And then after we paid off all the debt, we started to accumulate assets, right? Because now all of a sudden the Europeans are buying all of our stuff because we're making everything. And now we have huge surplus. We have huge trade surpluses. And now we're buying up everything. We're buying up stocks and bonds and real estate all around the world. And Americans are getting rich. Right? And we became the richest creditor nation in the world because we borrowed to produce. 
And now it's different. See, these trade deficits are totally different than the healthy trade deficits we ran when we were an up-and-coming superpower. Now we're a declining power. Now we're just running deficits to buy things that we don't have the ability to produce. We're borrowing money and buying consumer goods. So we, we're just going deeper into debt endlessly. There is no light at the end of this tunnel. It's just pure tunnel. You know, at the end of it is maybe dynamite and we're just going to blow up. So the, that's the point I wanted to make is these are very dangerous situation. And now we're right back in that dangerous situation like 87. Budget deficits skyrocketing. Trade deficits skyrocketing. For years, no one cared. Budget deficits don't matter. Trade deficits don't matter. Why didn't they matter? Because there wasn't a crisis. Well, now the crisis is here, right? Just like in Greece or just like in Puerto Rico, any place that had a lot of debt and all of a sudden it blew up. The problems were there hiding in plain sight for years. It's just that nobody cared because it didn't make a difference to the market. So we had the budgets going up. We had the trade deficits going up. And because there wasn't an immediate negative effect, everybody said, okay, and we'll, we'll just keep on doing it. Keep on doing it, right? It, you know, it's like the person who, you know, smokes cigarettes and, you know, you can say, hey, you know, if you smoke, you, you get lung cancer. And they, well, oh, I don't have it. And they keep smoking. Look, I'm, I don't have lung cancer. And then finally they get lung cancer and they, they give up smoking. Oh, you know, big deal. You might as well smoke now. I mean, you're, you're already dying. This is the same thing. Oh, the deficits, we keep ignoring it. We keep ignoring it until all of a sudden we can't ignore it. It doesn't even matter at that point because we've done it for so long, right, that we are in trouble. And that's where we are. And I said, it's ironic that, you know, the Republicans were triumphant with these tax cuts. The tax cuts are what did it. And I said that before. I said, be careful what you wish for when it comes to these tax cuts, because it's shining a spotlight on the deficits, because tax cuts are not it, right? And that's why you get all these Republicans on television. They love tax cuts, just like they, you know, they never seen a tax cut they didn't like. Tax cuts are not what helps the economy. It's government cuts. It's cutting the size of government. It's making government smaller that helps the economy. It's freeing up resources to the private sector. And when you make government smaller, the reward is you can reduce taxes because the tax revenue is no longer necessary because the government is smaller. But when you have the Republicans giving out tax cuts to everybody and claiming credit for something, they didn't do anything except put that government on a credit card. All they did is they sent a little check to average Americans who already loaded up with debt and said, here's a check. And by the way, we added it to your national credit card. And now you're going to have to pay that money back with interest. As if Americans didn't need more debt, the government just put them into debt. But they, they added insult to injury when after they passed that tax cut, now they jack up government spending. So this is it, right? We got to pay the piper these big deficits that no one thought mattered. Well, they matter. And people are about to find out how much they matter over the next several days, over the next several weeks, as this bear market, because I think it is a bear market. I don't think it's a correction. I guess they don't call it a bear market until you're down 20%. But once we're down 20% or 25%, that means we were in a bear market when we were down 10%. So people are just in denial. The only thing I think that will change that is if before we get there, the Fed, you know, the Fed, you know, comes in and rescues the market. But again, if they do that, if they make that deal with the devil, that, and that is what I expect them to do eventually. That's the worst possible thing, because then the dollar crashes, then the bond market crashes anyway, eventually, and then we have a currency crisis and runaway inflation, and everything is much, much worse. But the question is, will the Federal Reserve wait until we're deep in bear market territory? Will they wait until we're officially back in recession before they do that, right? Or will they understand that that is going to happen 
and act preemptively, try to avert the recession, try to avert the bear market by, by taking action preemptively. And that I don't know, right? But we're going to find out. And at some point, though, gold's going to take off, the dollar's going to tank, and it, it, the longer the Fed waits, of course, the bigger the move is going to be. And politically, of course, this is turning into a disaster because the midterm elections, there's a lot of time between now and the midterm elections for the bear market to be in full force and the recession to be back. And you get those angry voters who are disillusioned Trump voters coming in and voting all these Republicans out because they get blamed for everything. And, the, and everything is blamed on the tax cuts and the greedy corporations and the deregulation. Right. That's just going to set the stage. And, and you know, these Republicans, they had better they had better have a new game plan. They better huddle up and realize that they're going to lose with the playbook they have, right? They need to own up to the problems in the economy right now. And they need to say, you know what? Trump didn't make things better. The problem is we just continued all the problems that we inherited from Obama, from Bush, and and, and say, well, you know what? We really have to shrink government. I know I said we wouldn't cut entitlements, but you know we got to slash them. I know I said I was going to increase spending on, on the military, but we got to cut spending on the military. We're broke. We can't afford it, right? They, they, they're going to have to tell the truth. I mean, it would have been better if they told the truth right off the bat because it would have been a lot more believable uh, than, than doing it about faith now. But, I mean, I think the odds of that happening are pretty slim. And so it's going to be a Republican bloodbath uh, in 2018 and 2020. Anyway, I got to go. I got to go and do my, uh, my panel. I got to save my voice. I'm sure I'm going to be back again uh, tomorrow because I got to keep doing these things because so much stuff is happening and there's so much nonsense on the, the mainstream fake financial news media. You have no idea what's going on if you, if you, if you watch there. We got to get the audience on my podcast to be far higher. And I have noticed a big jump in, um, in people signing up for my podcast, uh, you know, becoming uh, uh, members on my YouTube channel or follow me on Twitter or Facebook. I mean, I'm seeing a big surge now. And so that's good. And we got to get more and more people tuning in and listening in so they can get the real news. So they can find out what's actually happening in the markets and the economy, not this whitewashed, regurgitated propaganda that is coming out of the fake news.